Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And how blessed we are to be able to do this each day, open up God's Word, study a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and see how we need to make applications to our lives how we need to live by God's teachings so that we can be faithful to him. You know, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Boy, we emphasize that over and over and over here on Search the Scriptures. But we need to take it to heart. We need to not just stay stagnant in our faith. In fact, you know, it's probably a true statement that you either move forward or you go backwards. It's difficult to just remain static and especially in our spiritual lives. We either need to keep growing spiritually and demonstrating that faithfulness and dedication to God through our lifestyle of service and dedication and commitment, or else we're probably going to start slipping backwards. I know I have experienced that with different people in my life whom I have seen where they have pulled back in some of the uh, active dedication that they had been involved in to God and I saw them, at least it appeared to me that perhaps they were slipping backwards in that commitment and that, you know, true active dedication on a consistent basis. Well, I hope that was not the case, but there seemed to have been an appearance that possibly that was happening to them. See, it's difficult to just stay static. We either, we're going to be moving forward, continuing to grow in our faith, or we're probably going to start slipping backwards. Well, Maybe one day we'll look at the book of 2 Timothy along that line. And I'm looking at it now from a different perspective. And I think maybe that was the intended perspective with which it was written by the Apostle Paul. But we'll talk about that. I don't want you to just stay where you are. We want to help you grow spiritually. We want to help you get to heaven. Now, go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and it'll only take you about one minute to sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It will always be free. When you do that, you'll receive all of these radio programs automatically to your smart device, whatever you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be. And, and again, it will always be free. You'll receive those, and then if you cannot listen to one of the programs each day or sometime during the week because of your busy schedule, you'll be able to listen to it, pull it up on, you know, or download it onto the podcast and listen to it that way at your convenience. Encourage your friends and your family members and your work associates and your neighbors and everybody else you can to go to our website and sign up for our podcasting. You'll not only receive our radio programs, but you'll also receive all of our sermons and our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, as long as we continue to podcast those, and also a great daily Bible study about 12 or 13 minutes long each day that we call today's Bible class, covering very pertinent and relevant matters from a from a scriptural perspective. So take advantage of that. Again, we don't ask you for any donations. We never will. We're not here to get your wallet or your pocketbook. We're here to help you get to heaven. So take advantage of the website. We're going to continue our study today, and we've been talking about I think a subject that is probably on the minds of many people throughout time, 
but also it is something that they probably, most of those who struggle with this, they probably keep to themselves or hide from others. They try to put on a good front, but it's there all the time nagging at them. Here's the question we've been asking. Are you struggling with a sin that you cannot quit? Is that the case in your life? Is there some sin that you cannot seem to quit? You know it's wrong. You know it's, it's debilitating in your spiritual life and perhaps in relationships, even in your marriage or your family relationship or friendships. It, it's, it's damaging, maybe destroying those relationships. Maybe it's hindering your work performance on your job. And you've tried to quit it. You know it's wrong. You know you need to stop it, but you keep going back to it seems like it's got a grip on you and you cannot release those tentacles that are wrapped around your life and you, you just struggle. Well, what we want to encourage you through this particular study is that God will be there for you and his strength will take the place of your weakness or your strength will replace your weakness. It will help you to have the personal strength that you need to overcome that sin, whatever it is. Maybe there's more than one sin that you just cannot seem to let go of. Now, again, the list could be long. Some obvious possibilities would be alcohol or drugs or pornography, sexual immorality, pedophilia, gambling, lying, gossip, hatred, profanity, laziness, maybe procrastination. Well, again, the list could go on and on and on, but those are some that would probably be fairly common to at least a lot of people. Now, not every one of them on a really broad-based uh, based scale, but, but it would be there. It's something that our society, our culture is dealing with, and our culture is the product of the individuals who live within our culture. So these are all matters that people struggle with, maybe for you or someone you know. Maybe one of these sins or some other sin they're struggling with. Maybe you're struggling with and you think, I just can't quit. I want to quit. You know, it, it's tearing me up, but I keep going back to it. What we've talked about, how do we respond to such a reality in our lives? Well, first, we need to make sure we understand that God considers sin to be deadly. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. Now the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, the rest of that verse. But in order to have that, receive that gift from God, we have to get rid of our sin because the wages of sin is death. God does not consider sin a small, inconsequential matter. It will lead to your eternal condemnation. To eternal death in hell if you do not turn away from it. We've talked about that. Now, what is the first step? Well, obviously, the first step is to believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, that is the Son of God, your Lord and Savior, you will die in your sins. Jesus said, repent or perish. If you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3 and 5. Now, so what is repentance? We've talked about that. You've got to change your mind that is evidenced by a change of behavior 
or your lifestyle. In other words, you've got to make up your mind. Make up your mind. I'm going to stop this, whatever it is. I'm not going to continue in this pathway, in this practice, in this lifestyle of sinfulness. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to turn to God through Jesus Christ. But then you have to come to him his way. In repentance, confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and you must be forgiven of your sins. And that happens as you come to him and surrender at baptism. When Ananias was sent by the Lord to teach the, the, the Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the Apostle Paul, he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So as we're baptized into Christ, Romans 6 and verse 3, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. In other words, we come up out of that watery grave, and baptism, true baptism, is a burial in the water. We come up out of that watery grave having contacted the blood of Christ in the, in the burial of baptism, the burial with our Lord and Savior. We come up as though we're coming forth from the grave. We're made new. We're made alive. We're reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus, has to happen. John chapter 3 and verse 3. Now, reborn spiritually. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to come to God through Jesus, God's way, and then you've got to live the life. You need to live the life of faithfulness and dedication. We talked about how Roman, how Paul put it in Romans chapter one, chapter twelve, verses one and two, when he said, "Present your bodies, that is your lives, a living sacrifice, dedicated to Christ." In other words, to live for your Lord, and don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to become a student of God's word and make the proper applications on a consistent basis. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, study or be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly, applying correctly the word of truth, God's word. Well, you need to be that individual, that student of God's word, and not just read it and understand it and agree with it intellectually, but you need to make it the guidebook for your life, the manual for daily living. God expects that of you. Now, saying all of that, God knows your weaknesses. He knows that you're not going to be perfect in and of yourself, by yourself, on your own, by your own strength. So God promises to be there with you and for you if you will always walk with him. I tell people over and over and over again, as long as you hold on to God's hand, he will never let go of yours. God knows that we sin. We're human. That's part of our human weakness. We sin. We make mistakes. Now, there may be some sin, and that's the particular focus of this particular study that has really got a grip on you that you can't seem to overcome, but don't you can't do it on your own. You need God's help. God knows that you have that weakness. He will help you if you will come to him and walk with him consistently and faithfully. 
there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3 and verse 10. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. The scripture confines all under sin. Galatians 3 and verse 22. Well, what's the answer? God has already paid the price for your sin guilt. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God has sent his son to the cross as the perfect one time for all time sacrifice as your savior. But you can't remain in your sins. He expects you to, again, come to him through Christ. Come to him for forgiveness, for redemption, for salvation. And then begin to live that life, that life of dedication and commitment to him. And that's the Christian lifestyle, Christianity. Now, in 1 John chapter 1, look at verse 7. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. The apostle John wrote, if we, if we, or rather he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I want to come back to that verse in a moment. He goes on and he says in the next verse, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now John is writing this to Christians. To Christians. And what's he saying there in, these, in this particular context of scripture? God knows your weaknesses. God knows that you're going to make mistakes. Even though you have committed your life to Christ, even though you've been baptized and the blood that he shed on the cross cleansed you of the guilt of your sins, even though you have taken up a new lifestyle, the life of Christianity, God knows you're still going to, in moments of weakness, you're still going to make mistakes and you're still going to commit a sin. But that doesn't mean you have to stay in that sin. You can repent and come back to him for forgiveness as you pray to him and demonstrate your, your repentance through your prayer and ask God's forgiveness and the blood of Christ will still cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. Verse 7 again, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is the light of God's word, we have fellowship with one another, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, my understanding of the original Greek there is the understanding that the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us from our sin or keeps on cleansing us from our sin. And then we need that continual cleansing because of what he says in verses 8, 9, and 10 if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But you see again, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Christ will continue to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, even if you stub your toe, 
even if you make a mistake, even if a moment of weakness, you commit another sin once you have become a Christian. All of us will make those mistakes, and God knows our weaknesses, but the blood of Christ will continue to cleanse you from the guilt of your sins. Now, in a careless, in a careless way, we commit those sins. We just do it presumptuously. I can do this and God will forgive me. Oh yeah, I can commit these sins and the blood of Christ will still cleanse me. No, that's not the attitude. Again, what is repentance? A change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle, change of behavior. So you're living the life. You're trying as hard as you can and you're praying to God continually, please strengthen me and help me and protect me from temptation. But when you make a mistake, you can repent and pray to God for forgiveness through Christ, and the blood of Christ will still cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. What a great promise. What a great assurance and reassurance that we can live the life that God wants us to live. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, we see a principle here that goes along with this, I believe, and should help us and encourage us. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21, Peter came to him, that is, came to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Peter probably thought that would be a pretty generous and gracious response on my part. I'd forgive him up to seven times. I don't think he was expecting the answer Jesus gave him. In verse 22, Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Can you imagine Peter's response to himself, perhaps? Huh? 70 times seven? You see, that's 490 times. But I don't think we're to understand that Jesus was putting a limit on how many times do I forgive my brother if he sins against me? 490 times? Now, I think Jesus was saying, no, you just keep on forgiving. As long as he truly repents and seeks your forgiveness, you keep on forgiving. And so if we are taught to continually forgive the brother who would sin against us, then how many times do you think God, who is much more gracious than we are, how many times do you think he'll, he's ready to forgive us if we truly come to him in repentance and seeking his forgiveness? How encouraged we ought to be. Now, not only that, but God has promised to be with you in the face of those temptations that confront you, whatever the devil might throw at you. We've talked about this particular verse of scripture many times in our studies on different subjects, and it certainly applies here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful? He's faithful to his promise to be with you. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what are we supposed to glean from that? 
Well, there's a promise that God will be there with us and for us to help us to stand up against whatever temptations the devil might throw at us. God is faithful, and he will not allow us to be tempted by some temptation that is so overwhelming that there's no way that we could possibly say no to it. God will be there with us and for us. We'll always make the way of escape that we may be able to bear it or to say no to that temptation, whatever it might be. The psalmist in Psalm 125 in verse 3 wrote, For the scepter of the wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Another very poetic way of God saying, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let the devil have his way with you. I'll be there with you, and I'll be there for you. In fact, the apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 2 and verse 9 that God is able to deliver the godly from temptation. What a great promise that is. How encouraging should that be? The Lord is able, he knows how, to deliver the godly out of temptations. Boy, incredible. So you see, God is saying, I will be there with you. I will be there for you. You don't have to face all this by yourself. Yes, I expect you to live a faithful life, a holy life, a righteous life, a godly life. But I'm not going to leave you on your own to figure that out. I'm not going to leave you on your own to face the temptations by yourself. I will be there with you. The Apostle Paul put it in a very succinct fashion when he said in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things, he doesn't say all things by myself, all things through my own strength. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will be there with you. God will be there for you. God will watch over you. He will protect you. He will not allow the devil to have his own way with you without God. He just won't allow the devil to have his own way with you. God will not allow you to be tempted by something that you cannot overcome with God's help. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that ought to be a tremendous encouragement for you. We'll come back and finish this study next time. Let's pray together now. Our Father, thank you so much for loving us so much. And thank you for promising to be faithful and to be there and to not allow us to be tempted by anything that we cannot overcome with your help and your strength. Thank you so much, Father. And guide us and help us to grab on to that promise and hold it dear and walk with you faithfully and obediently and consistently every day of our lives. Please, Father, we pray for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and in his name we pray. Amen.